podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs, a slightly later than usual show for us as we look back on Tottenham Hotspur's late, late win against Wolves at Molyneux thanks to Jan Vertonghen's late show which saw Tottenham Hotspur somehow still three points and close the gap to Chelsea to just three points ahead of that huge game against them next week. We also reflect on Spurs' Champions League last 16 draw against RB Leipzig. We've got so much to come in this show. Delighted to have joining me for this one, the return of Talia back on our show. Joining Talia also, we're pleased to welcome back the very great crackers to our show. Always a pleasure to have him on. And also, last but certainly not least, we've got actor, presenter, host and writer, Ricky J. Norwood. Enjoy the show. And we'll still have it with Lucas Moura. Done well to keep his feet and goes for goal. Oh, that is something special. Lucas Moura crashes one into the roof of the net. It's a lovely individual goal and Spurs lead. Well, it would have been very easy for him to, to go down. There appeared to be a bit of contact. And to be fair to Lucas Moura, he was determined to stay in his feet. And my goodness, does it pay off. The shot explodes. Is there going to be a Spurs winner? But Hogan is in there! It looks like there might be a Spurs winner. Jan Vertonghen, all on his own, has found the bottom corner. It's the first goal of the season and what a time to get it. Tottenham under the cosh, but they come up with the goods. Well, there's nobody tight on him at all. The one of the corners taken, Jan Vertonghen, is totally unmarked. He can readjust his position. It's a super header. But look at Jan Vertonghen here in the near side. Completely unmarked. A super header from, what, 14 yards? Rick smash and grab that win up against Wolves and further evidence of Jose Mourinho teaching the Spurs team to win ugly. Impressive, you've got to say, to win like that after being under the cosh for so long. But boy, did that feel good, didn't it? Oh, it felt tremendous, mate. How many times have we been on the end of those? So to to, to be able to kind of have a topsy-turvy game and then smash and grab it at the end like that. And you know what I mean? For, for, for Jan as well to get the goal, I think it was really nice, man. So, um, oh my gosh, bro. I was ecstatic. I was uh, over the moon when I saw that. Yeah, honestly, those scenes at the end, Jan Vertonghen running towards the supporters, Mourinho going ballistic. I mean, you just simply love to see it. And Talia, Tottenham Hotspur's revival under Jose Mourinho continues. He dropped to his knees on the sodden turf in celebrations when Jan Vertonghen climbed to head in that winning goal in stoppage time. Could you believe it? I mean, no. (laughs) I was convinced that they were going to definitely grab the win because... For the majority of that second half, it was pretty poor from us. And there was a lot of use of the word robbery going around (laughs) because we did kind of steal it from them. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was a massive performance from the boys. And I think a lot of the time we wouldn't have gone and won that. And we would have probably somewhat bottled it. And I think that, you know, to get that win was absolutely incredible. And we have been climbing the table. So Jose's, I mean, is doing exactly what he was put in to do. He is indeed. He's doing brilliant so far, isn't he? And Crackers, Spurs were 12 points away from fourth place when Jose Mourinho was appointed just 27 days ago. Now they can go fourth next weekend with a win against Chelsea. How much credit do you think he deserves for turning this team around? Yeah, they, they certainly seem to be getting a Mourinho mentality about them. Um, again, we've, we've 
we've conceded on that sort of 73, 75 minutes. That's West Ham and Bournemouth. Uh, no, it wasn't West Ham. It was Bournemouth we conceded on 70-odd minutes. And I, when, when they scored, I thought, oh, here we go. Here comes the 90-plus six as well. But uh, but, but it, it never came. And, um, yeah, it's been an odd progression because years ago, when, when teams got back to one all like that, you thought, oh, this is it, 88 minutes, 85 minutes, they'll, they'll poke in a winner. And then under um, Maurizio, we'd sort of maybe win the odd one, um, but hold on for a draw. So with Mourinho, it looks like just another step again where we can actually go again and, and, and nick a winner. Um, and I have to say... Jan's goal, uh, as great as Sonny's was the other week, which was just spectacular, the skill involved in Jan's goal yesterday, the header, uh, the direction of it, it was it, it was breathtaking. It was as good as any 30-yard screamer, but it just won't get mentioned in goal of the month because it was just a simple header from a, from a corner. But technically, as good as anything you'll see this season. I agree. And it's funny you say that, Crackers, because I think after the game, Jan made a point in saying that that was a pre-planned move to arrive so late at the back post like that, unmarked. It was a great, great header. And just on Mourinho now, some really interesting stats coming out that he has not lost any of his last 54 Premier League matches when his side has scored the opening goal. Liverpool are the only team to win more Premier League matches than Spurs since Jose Mourinho was appointed. And Spurs have won two of their three Premier League games away under Jose Mourinho, as many as they did in their 14 away matches under Maurizio Pochettino. I mean, it's staggering. And just to go back on some questions we've got, as always, we try and encourage you to send in your listener questions to us. Got one here for you, Talia. This is from Carl S at Carl Ray 94, who says, that's winning ugly. And winning ugly is what you have to do sometimes. Anyone feel Jose is turning things around nighty so far? This is the kind of game under Pochettino we would have lost. Is that fair? Beginning of Poch, I would probably argue no. But towards the end, absolutely. I think, you know, Poch's subs were kind of questionable, especially towards the end where we were all kind of looking and being like, what are you doing? And I think that maybe his in-game management wouldn't have been able to get us the win in the end. Because, I mean, I think it's quite a big sign from Jose to not have made a sub. I think he put on Ericsson, what, 88 minutes, which is so late. And I think me, probably like most other people, are a bit like, oh, here comes Ericsson. What's he going to do? <laughs> but I mean, we were the last ones to bite that because obviously he put in the ball. But I mean, it's very Jose, isn't it? I think he knows what he's doing and he's made a very big thing that he's trying to get the boys into that winning mentality. And I think it's been really clear to all of us that that is the missing bit of the puzzle. So I don't know. I don't think we can disregard and be like, nah, Poch would have 100% lost it for us because I do think it was the boys who won it. But yeah, credit to Jose and the boys because, I mean, we got the win and it was ugly, but it's what you win. Three huge points. Yeah, that is a three huge points. And Rick's a question here from Matt Robinson who says, what a doggy performance, but that is exactly how you win ugly. And that is what we need to do to win games. The league and the cups get in at Lee McQueen. Do you like the contract rebels now? I mean, Rick's just to ask you about the contract rebels in general. A lot has been mentioned about yeah. playing the likes of Jan Vertonghen, Christian Eriksen, Toby Adeviro, Danny Rose, Serge Aurea. I mean, what's your thoughts on 
those contract rebels? Should they be in the team for you? For me, I, I still don't really want them a part of the team. Um, I've, uh, they've kind of made their bed now. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the fact that Jose's come in and they've got respect for Jose and the calibre of Jose. And, you know, there was a short, sharp, quick uh, change in management and direction. Um, I think we might have squeezed a bit more out of them up until they leave. But I think the thing is, is that if your heart ain't with Tottenham and Spurs, then you, you, you can't be playing. You can't be part of that squad because you need to have heart as well as skill, as well as technique, as well as everything else. The one thing that we desire as fans is like work hard and care about care about us, care about the team, care about the badge. We want heart from you. Do you know what I mean? You know, you look at somebody like Sonny who plays with heart all day long and that's why we love him as well as the goals. We love him because he's got a smile on his face and he loves playing for Tottenham, you know? So um, that's that's also a requirement uh, when you play for Spurs. And I think if your heart is already gone, you know, I think, you know, when you look at Ericsson, I don't know why he's coming on. He, even, all right, yeah, cool. He put the ball in, great. But like, I think we're playing him in, uh, when we know that he's leaving, you know, so you, I think why not bring in somebody else and give somebody else a go, you know, even if it is Ryan Sessegnon, whoever it is, like sw switch it up, you know, switch up a formation, but bring in somebody who wants to be there and, and wants to play for us because that's when we get the best out of our team and our 11 when everybody's playing for us. So for me, Ricks, uh, you know, uh, those that don't want to be there, I don't really want you there no more, man. I'm, I'm, that's where I'm at with them, them guys. I, I respect them for playing and I respect them for like giving us the last bit of juice that they've got for Jose. But like, I'm kind of done and dusted with them. Crackers, another question in here. This is from Dustin at Devo1980 who says, Jose still not had a full week of uninterrupted training with this team. Excited he gets it with them so soon. What do you feel has been the biggest factor in our turnaround? Is it continuity with the team selection, inspiring confidence in the team, or something else? I don't know if we can pinpoint a turnaround yet. Um, I think that Pochettino had lost his magic dust in the, in the dressing room, um, and a new face will normally always come in and get an initial reaction out of players. Uh, you know, let's not forget that we never got a result at Man United. A brilliant result yesterday. Uh, it's just too early to say if if there is if if there is a, a turnaround yet. But they certainly seem to be playing for him. They seem to they, they seem to, to like him, and uh, long long may it continue. But with regards to it being a turnaround off of one ninety minutes yesterday, uh, you can't really. You can't really say it is. I mean, if we if we go on and get three or four more results like that, turn Leipzig over as well in the Champions League and go through, then you can start to say, well, okay, yeah, he's he's getting a tune out of these players that um, that Maurizio wasn't. Um, if he starts making some tactical decisions like he did, um, you know, making subs early then you can say, OK, yeah, there's there's a turn round. At the moment, a bit too early in his tenure for me to, to pinpoint it as a turn round yet. So, but, you know, take nothing away from yesterday. Good, gritty performance. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I say it's still very, very early days, but you've got to be encouraged by the way Spurs are playing at present, grinding out the wins like that. I mean, that is a sign of a, a really decent team. And just the, the impact on that result for Spurs against Wolves, you know, Wolves that ends an 11-match unbeaten run, their longest run in the top flight without defeat since 1959. And Spurs are the first team to beat Wolves at home 
in 17 Premier League games, they were last defeated at Molyneux since September. I mean, that, that is a staggering stat. It just shows you how good that result is for Tottenham. So just to bring it back to the team selection, and Ricks, we'll come round to you because Jose Mourinho reverted back to his favoured front four of Deli Ali, Lucas Moura, Hummin Son and Harry Kane. We saw Jan Bertongen, Sir Jury returning at left and right back respectively, while Spurs summer signings, Juvain Lachelso and Ryan Sessiong were on the bench. And obviously, what many picked up on here, Rick, was that it was an unchanged team. Take away the game right. in the Champions League, but it was an unchanged team. Just how important is that now to start getting the continuity in terms of team selections? Well, we need that continuity um, at the moment. So I think he's, he's probably doing the right thing, even though, you know, some of the, let's say the back four ain't, uh, ain't some of the top choices right now. Obviously, you know, Jan playing at left back, we know he can do that. But ideally... Jose would have preferred Davies and, and if not, 100%, 100% Danny Rose, you know. Um, But he he doesn't have those options. So we're we're working a new uh, system for the personnel that have got their heads in the game and that, you know, Jose can trust because that's all all what that Bayern Munich game was about. It was like, who can he trust? Who can, when he's asking to go out there and can you do me a job, even though your contract might be up or you might have some you know, so, some type of beef with the club. Can, can you show up? Can you give me something? And that's what that test was about. So cu- coming into this team, he's, he's tr- started to set his 11. So he, he's started to give them a little bit of trust, a little bit of responsibility and see if they come through for him. You know, I, I still think we've got problems there. I still think there's, you know, a few signings, a few rejigs that need, might, you know, that need to happen uh, in January, if not the summer. Um but like I think he's doing a good job in building that continuity because we, we that's exactly what we need right now. You know what happens when Hugo's fit? Like that's good. It, it, are we gonna switch straight? Are we gonna put him straight back into goal? And then you know the that back four have got used to Gaza in goal being there, so there, there's gonna be that shift. We're gonna pick up an injury in a minute. There's gonna be another shift. So while we've got him, I I, I think he's doing the right thing in playing him. And, and, and like you say, building some type of understanding between each other. Yeah, I think there's no getting away from it. When, when you do have a settled team, everybody knows their job. Everybody knows their positions. And again, we've got another yeah. question on the team selection. Talia, this is from Reggie Moore at Moore underscore Reggie. And it's the same kind of tone. He says, is the same team selection starting to have a positive effect? I think, you know, when you look at teams like Liverpool and stuff, when Poch was constantly changing the selection and we couldn't really predict it, we were all kind of looking at Liverpool like, why can't we have that continuity and kind of build that same relationship? Because obviously players trust each other and it must be so difficult for them to week in, week out, have a different partner next to them, especially with different opponents and things where they're trying to work that out as well. So I think it is really important. And I think over the next couple of months, we'll see how vital it is whilst we're, you know, in the FA Cup, Champions League progresses to see how much rotation he actually does do. I think, you know, our boys have all been kind of at the club long enough, like defensive wise, to understand how each other work and play. But, you know, to get results with each other next to them and to continue that form and to build that confidence is huge. And I do think over time that it will, you know, be a really important vital factor in us hopefully getting top four. I agree. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. I think that is the key, isn't it? As we just said, keeping the same team. Everybody knows their jobs and crackers. Lucas Mora. Now, this is a player that I know for some Spurs fans, 
he really does infuriate them because he's got the ability, as we've seen, to create something out of nothing. We saw, obviously, that hat-trick against Ajax, the Man United brace, and we've seen some wonderful performances with him. But, obviously, there's always been that issue. Do you start him? Do you bring him off the bench? What kind of player is he? But... What a goal it was to put Tottenham in front. He smashed the ball in the roof of the net to fire us in front. And, you know, that's his capability, Crackers. I mean, for you, is he more than just an impact sub? Definitely. He's he's your arch-typical South American footballer. He reminds me a lot uh, back uh, in my youth of, of Ricky Villa uh, in some respects. In that, you know, you could start him in a game and be a bit quiet and then all of a sudden... Just do something incredible, absolutely incredible. And uh, he's, he's just so unpredictable. I'd hate to play against him because a lot of the time, I don't think Mora knows what he's going to do next. So, you know, how does a defender defend against that? And he's certainly got a touch and the skill and just to pull off the, the ridiculous, you know, he's... Um, He's a star. He is. He's definitely a starter for me, hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he, one of the first names on the team sheet for me. I like the energy he brings to the team. Yeah, I think under Mourinho, for him, he feels like he's now found the man that's going to really take his game to the next level. It's an interesting stat again. I mean, Ricks, I'll bring you in here. He scored three goals in his last five Premier League matches under Jose Mourinho. Before that, he only had one goal in ten Premier League appearances for Spurs with Pochettino in charge. Do you think, in a way? Will Mourinho adapt his game? Is it a different position? He said he felt maybe under Pochettino. It was a bit of a dig that he never quite played him in the right position. He's not a number nine. He has had this issue in the past that we spoke about it on our Love Sports shows that he finds it hard, you would say, to try and interlink with the likes of Son, Harry and Delhi. Are we still trying to find out the player Lucas Moore is going to be for Tottenham? And where does he stand for you? Is he just an impact sub or can he be more than that? Do you know what? Um, I think Lucas is uh, like a bit of a magic man, and I think he is. There's a bundle of tricks, and there's a bundle of skill, and there, there is a dynamite player in there that I still think we're trying to find. Now, with the little dig uh, against Poch when he was playing number ten or number nine, at the same time he scored a hat trick against Ajax as a number ten. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't playing on the wing at that point. Um, in some games when he's played number nine or number ten. Yes, there's been times where he's gone a bit missing. You know, um, he hasn't been had any impact, really. This season, under Poch and under um, Jose, it, both times he's played in the middle and on the wing. And then sometimes he's gone missing. Do you know what I mean? So, like, so I think it's more in his game to get more consistent. I think now that he's on the right and he knows that when he plays, he's on the right, he's more comfortable with that because that's what he, he knows and what he loves. Um, but he is an adaptable player. He has played on the left. He's played in the middle. He's played on the right. Maybe we now we're finding out that his right, that the right side is his preferred position, and now he can sing a little bit more. But um, but he he's had inconsistent performances in, in in a couple of games where where I thought he would have like scored a hat trick against some teams. He he's been so so quiet. It's untrue. Or he's dribbled into a player or dribbled it out into the corner where it becomes a goal kick, you know. And I, I, I want him to be that magic man. Um, so for me, I think it, he is, uh, although I want him to have more games, I want him to start because I think he, he is finding his feet. It, to answer the question, I think he's better as an impact sub right now. 
That's interesting. Talia, for you, I mean, is he more than an impact sub? Because we saw and he set up Ali with a half a chance that second half after a driving run down the right. And it was a much better performance as a whole from the Brazilian. He battled and created chances for others, including obviously taking his goal really well in that first half. I mean, he is a player that does seem to polarise opinion. Where do you stand on Lucas Moura? I think it's quite difficult because, I mean, to you know, for everyone to kind of rate players, you do need to see consistency. And I do think that as everyone's already said, he does go missing a lot, which is quite hard because obviously if you're not playing well and you're not informed, then why should you start? And it is difficult. But I think with the potential that he has, it is kind of hard to see how he sits on that bench. You know, he does bring a lot to the team that people kind of don't. And his skill is something different. Like he's fast. We don't have that much pace in our squad. He runs and weaves in and out of people. And we don't have a lot of people that do that half the time. I think it is definitely like a different element. And if he does find confidence and find form, I think it could, you know, be huge for us and be a really vital part in scoring loads of goals. I generally do think it is a confidence issue because, I mean, Potter's was putting him on for, what, the 93rd minute for the last however many games, which, I mean, it probably does a lot for your confidence because, I mean, if you're not getting a chance and you're not going to be the most confident man on the pitch. But, I mean, going back to the whole contract rebel thing, I think Lucas really wants to be at Spurs. And I think, you know, Potch kind of not playing him almost dulled that light a bit which is quite hard to take because he's one of those players on social media the whole time. He sings with his kid, like, come on, you Spurs. I mean, did you see last night yeah. he tweeted in, like, um, we're Tottenham from the lane, whatever. Like, he fully engages with it. He and gets it, loves he tell you? It. I mean, he gets the Tottenham vibe. No, he really does get it. And I generally think that, you know, if he finds that form and gets confidence and, like I said, play with the other people around him and finds that kind of where he needs to be... I think it will be great. But for now, I think you've got to stick with it. I think that's why Mourinho's trying to. Just got to hopefully kind of find himself again and then he'll be good for us. Yeah. Sticking with you, Talia. The next guy, I mean, if I thought more I could polarise opinion, Eric Dyer. When I speak <laughs> Spurs fans, he really is kind of a 50-50 split. I feel some f oh. like the fact that he's in that midfield because he's tough, he's aggressive. Some feel he's just simply not good enough to get around the park. I mean, let's be honest, with Dyer, he had a great opportunity in that first half, a double Tottenham's lead. He's played a lovely one-two with Deli Alley. He smashed his shot from eight yards out against the post. He was so close to doubling Spurs' lead. Talia, where do you stand on Eric Dyer? Is he good enough to be in this Spurs team on a regular basis? Because Mourinho, he really likes him. It's tough. Again, I mean, on paper, no. As in, I think every time that team sheet comes out, most people's reactions are a bit like, oh, Dyer again. Because he's not the Dyer that sat with Wanyama or Dembele when we had that really great couple of seasons. He is not that player. And I think he loses possession way too easily. And that's kind of the reason why people are like, oh, why is he starting? I get that he's strong and he is kind of is up for it. But he doesn't have the skill or the ability, in my opinion, to warrant starting all of these games. I mean, it's tough on Winks because I don't think Mourinho likes Winks as a player. He's not that kind of player. Like, Dyer is the kind of player that Mourinho looks for. So, I think it's difficult. Maybe, again, in a similar way to Lucas, Dyer hasn't played or started for, what, the whole season with, I know he was injured and then he had the appendix thing and something else. So, I mean, it could be a case of that if he keeps playing, he could find form. But at the moment, I do just kind of think, why are you playing? He constantly looks shattered. You watch him on the pitch and you're like, you need a rest. He's just not fit. Like, he isn't the player that you think on the team sheet, yes, you should be there. So, no. I mean, we'll see. But he's not 
the person I think that should be in that position. We need to buy someone. Mm, it's interesting. It sounds like you do a lot. I have to change your mind now, Talia. It sounds like. <laughs> I just think like, you know, like he's been at the club for ages. Yeah. He you know, he had his kind of place and he did well for a bit and then he's kind of just disintegrated and it's just a bit like he doesn't do enough to warrant his place. I think I mean, I get it because we don't have the biggest squad in the world and we don't have someone that could kind of easily take over his position. But I just think that everyone kind of just looks at him and you're like, oh, for God's sake, Dyer. And that is like something that constantly happened. You know how everyone was on it with Sissoko for such yep. a long time. It was like, for God's sake. And it's exactly that. And so, you know, I'm not completely disregarding him. I just think that, you know, from him coming into the squad, from barely being in it at all, it, it's clear that he's not fit and he hasn't played for ages and he's a bit all over the place. And I, th- I do think, to be fair to him, like with every game, he does make better decisions. He's definitely less or there were definitely less mistakes, say, this weekend than there were last weekend. You know, So it's not a case of changing my mind. I think you just kind of, you know, you want to see a squad that has the ability to drive forward from the midfield. And with him, you kind of think, oh, you're going to lose session a bit too much. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we will see. And Crackers, just to bring you in on Eric Dyer, many say he just needs to run a games. I mean, we've got a question here. Matthew Hill says, if we are going to play Dyer, we need to partner him with a ball-playing midfielder. Spurs had zero control in midfield and we nicked the result against Wolves. We defended well and it is a great win. We'd like to see more control off the ball in midfield, though. I mean, again, Crackers, I've got to ask you, Eric Dyer, as you know, Talia seems to say there, she feels he's maybe not good enough for Spurs long-term. Where do you stand on Eric Dyer? Do you know what? Eric Dyer, for a very well-educated lad that speaks a couple of languages and doesn't mind a date, Around an art gallery and and a museum <laughs> rather gallery. than the bookies <laughs> in the pub, he really is. He leaves those brains like in the dressing room when he gets onto the pitch. He just seems to be, he just seems to be a bit brainless. And it's like I don't know. Winks and Sissoko just hasn't worked either. And Dyer, I don't know. Maybe he does need a run of games, but he just hasn't kicked on from that player we thought he was going to be. When he first came to us, we thought, wow, here we go. This, you know, when he gets a couple more years under his belt, he's going to be great. And he just hasn't. He just, he's just not kicked on. I'd, do you know what I'd like to see? Can we not breed Winks and Dyer and make a, a hybrid of, of the two? Because I like Winks's brain, but I like Dyer's brawn. And like, can can we not just like transplant Winx's brain into Dyer's body, like to make some sort of hybrid? And then I think we'd have uh, we'd 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 have, we'd have some some player on our hands. But uh, maybe he does need a run of games after all the the appendicitis thing and that. You know, it can it can lay somebody really low for a long long time. And uh, it may maybe I'm being a bit unfair. Mourinho loves him. He tried does, to buy him when he was at Man U, didn't he? So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Give, give him a bit more time. But yesterday, gave away possession two or three times and, and, and put us under the cosh. Um, and a bit brainless in the tackle as well. But, you know, uh, I think he carries... I think he carries a fair bit of credit for me for what he'd done against Chelsea two or three seasons ago when we had that tear up with him and he was just in everybody's face. And I, I, I don't mind a little bit of that every now and then. 
Yeah, I mean, Rick's with Eric Dyer. You know, he's a player that, let's be honest about it, he should have doubled Spurs' lead in that 36th minute, playing that one-two of Ali. Yeah. Really good chance. He joined the yellow card club for a horrendous foul. You've got to be saying, and Traore. Yeah. I mean, it was the most cynical foul. If you see it back, he knew exactly what he was doing. But does Mourinho like that of a player? Does he like that nasty side? Do you think that's also why you know he will keep Eric Dyer in this team? Because he wants that kind of warrior, you would say. You know, you look at his previous players that he's had in that kind of midfield role... And again, we brought this up the last couple of weeks. You know, he's had that Fellaini-type character. He's had Matic, you know. Is Dyer that similar mould? Is that why he wants to keep with him, do you think? I think you're probably correct there in, in, in what, you're, what you're saying and what you're assessing about Dyer. Um, but for me, I think... Hey, look, I, I, I was Dyer, like a big Dyer fan. Like I like Cracker says about the, the Battle of the Bridge when he, he was up in people's faces. There, there, there was that, and then I love the fact that he stood up for us with the whole Spursy tag and he wanted to eradicate that. And I remember like this whole new group of players that had this fresh energy and this, these fresh ideas. And, you know, and um, I, I really did love that Dyer um, at the time. And I've always been waiting and trying to give him some time because he has had horrendous injuries, as we've known, back to back. So he hasn't really had time to recover. But, um, I mean, a couple of times in defence he's played, he's looked okay. But it, he just looks like right now, like he, he looks a bit unfit. Um, he, he looks slow. Um, I, the biggest thing with Dyer for me is that he he was like kept doing the short pass backwards and sideways, backwards and sideways when we could have been turning and finding a forward pass somewhere, you know. So um, I hear what you say. Maybe part, partnering him with a, a ball player might help. But I just think we're almost carrying him to 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 play this role that he he's not. 100% ready for right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, the way that he's been chucked in um, game after game is probably, you know, he, he does need that type of game time, but he just doesn't look, uh, like, fit to me. He doesn't look like he's got the, like, he's never really had that much pace, but he's, he's had some acceleration. Do you know what I mean? He's had the first burst or two, um, but he just doesn't look like he's got that. And then with the whole giving, the, giving away possession, you know, all the time, he's there to break up play and keep possession and, and give it to the players that, that can play, that are creative. That's that's part of his role. And I haven't really seen much of that as yet, you know? So um, I don't know, man. I, I, I really don't know about that that whole type of, uh, that holding role that Jose loves. Because I, I don't know who you're going to stick there. Maybe Skip. Maybe you can stick in Skip there. Um, is he good enough may, you know, to stick him in? I mean, is he, is he I, good I, enough at this I, stage? I, I, I think he's probably got more energy about it. I, I personally would probably stick Winksy in there because um, Winksy's played DM, you know, um, and he had a lot of energy and he and he and he covered it quite. He covered the the pitch quite well, and he's got a, a pirouette in him. He's got a Dembele pirouette <laughs> in him, and he and he's got a bit of a forward pass. Now, if we can encourage more forward passing from Winksy, I think there's probably. A, a more of a player in there for that type of role, you know. I, I but I just need to see Endembele playing in that midfield. Yep. You know, I, I don't care how you get him in. I just yep. want Endembele in there. One hundred percent. Listen, when you spend sixty-five million, class. all that money, your summer signing, you want to see him play. I mean, that's been a massive frustration. I mean, Talia, you know, Tungi Endembele, we all want to see him in this midfield. We spent a huge amount of money. But he's not fit enough, is he? He's just not fit enough. And how much is a concern that we're already in December? And he's not fit enough to start Premier League games. I mean, does he have to take some responsibility for that himself? I think he does. I mean, unless our medical staff are just on something. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what happened to these players because he absolutely should be able to play 90 minutes a week. Like, how can you not handle that? You're a professional footballer. 
it is definitely concerning and it's a bit of a worry because, I mean, we need him. And when he has played, he has turned around our midfield and everyone's kind of been like, yes, this is the player that we need and he can definitely do the job. But again, he just hasn't been around to kind of permanently get that position or you know make his mark to that degree it's kind of been here or there and it is a massive shame and I don't know like why can't he be fit like is it him is it is he like another lamella where he's just oh, constantly not. injured God, and flapping around not. no I know but I mean it's funny that Mourinho is kind of like we really want lamella in because I've seen a lot of players um, players fans be like oh Jose's gonna hate lamella he's the worst kind of player for him but then Mourinho's kind of like oh actually I really want him in so I think it would be quite interesting to see the kind of player that Endombele becomes because I don't think we've seen too much of him and I also kind of think he hasn't seemed too bothered when he's been on you know how you kind of get the kind of vibe from different players where they want to be on the pitch and he kind of always looks a bit miserable it's just like him Aurier and uh, Sissoko on their little three-way party of happiness but he never <laughs> looks that happy to be on the pitch which I do think is a bit of a concern I mean granted to fair he was on the bench a lot and Potch was there and he the, the camera kind of always went over to him when he was a bit miserable but he just needs to get fit and get a run of games in because, yeah, like I said, it's not really on when you pay that amount of money and you're paying, what, two games a month at the moment. Crackers, has it surprised you the fact that we can't keep this guy fit? I mean, we can all see the potential there. Don't get me wrong, you can see in glimpses. This guy's going to be a fabulous player for our football club in the long term once he adapts to the Premier League, once he gets to know the tempo. I mean, do you think we should be concerned about that fitness? Because Mourinho can't be stupid. This player was widely scouted around Europe. He was wanted by many of the top clubs. We felt very lucky to get him. Do you think eventually he will get into Jose Mourinho's team in a permanent fixture? Yeah, absolutely. He's 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 top class. It's just uh, an unlucky run of injuries. Um, so yeah, you know his age as well, still developing. Once once he finds some fitness and and gets up to speed, then yeah, I think he's he's a, a fabulous player. He's you know something that that would definitely add to our first eleven and and the squad, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's uh, as my son just pointed out. This the current team still seems to have this huge Dembele-shaped hole in it at the moment. But somebody needs to needs to fill. Um, I, I think he, I think he can be that that man uh, to be honest. But he just needs to, to get catch a break with a bit of fitness and uh, and an injury. And um, but he, undoubtedly. Uh, you know, a, a great, great player, and uh, if he's on it, yeah, then, then he'll be he'll great, great in the midfield for us, very much so. I agree. Well, listen, we are going to go for a very quick break, and when we return, we're going to discuss Wolves equaliser, Jan Vertonghen's late show, Gazaniga's magic hands, and also Tottenham Hotspur's Champions League last 16 draw against RB Leipzig. Don't you go anywhere. We are going to be back after this very short break. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. We're going to dive straight in and discuss Wolves' equaliser because some will say, Ricks, it was a great goal. But, you know, from a Tottenham Hotspur perspective, I've got to say, I thought it was a pretty horrendous bit of defending. You know, Sanchez first has no idea really what to do. He headed towards the player. Yam backing off, backing off, backing off. Do you think 
as a whole, it was a, it was a great strike by Traore, who, to be fair, he threatened us all game. You know, Jan with him one-on-one, -on -one, he found it very hard to control him. And it's difficult when that player has so much pace. Could we have done better defensively? Or do you just have to simply sit back sometimes and say, what a great strike? Of course, we, we can always do better defensively, uh, Ricks. Uh, you know, as, as we've said, that those, that defence is finding its feet still. They're still finding it piece of understanding but of course you know one of them boys could have stepped up and blocked it but to tell you the truth I think he took the whole back line by surprise about you know where he shot from the the rocket of the shot that it was you know um what a shot um um part of me thinks that maybe Gaza could have got something to it but yeah I mean it, it was the Adama show really I mean he he was running us ragged he was running um Yan ragged left right and center it was a good battle between them anyway you know but that type of pace was hard for the whole team to deal with uh which we saw when everybody started fouling him you know Dyer uh Kane fouled him uh, somebody else went go. yeah every everybody <laughs> had we, a we go tried to him, finish him off didn't we Rick to be honest that, we <laughs> <laughs> what, what could we have done to the fight apart from chop about from kill him yeah, but that was it. That was like, we can't mark him. We can't stand <laughs> off him. We can't stand too close to him. You know what? Just chop him. Oh, just chop. Everyone get, everyone just chop him, you know? Um, and that's what he ended up getting to, to kind of, you know, to calm him down and to calm the team down and, and to, to, to stop that goal threat. Um, and uh, although it's not tactics that I particularly like, they worked and we ended up getting that last minute winner, you know? So his goal was fantastic. Um, I think, you know what? As he, I've heard that uh, Adama plays right back, stroke right wing back. That might be one for January. I mean, I would, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be upset, mate. I mean, no. but he, he, his price tag has probably doubled already. Oh, 100 percent. Well, when Mourinho comes after him, you know that price tag is going right up. I mean, yeah. he's got pace to burn. He's great on FIFA. You know, if you've got this guy on FIFA, for all our young, yeah. younger <laughs> listeners out there, this is a guy you want on FIFA. Great, great pace. And yeah, you know, crackers. Vertonghen did stand off him. Worried he was going to run probably, but he just smashed the shot from outside the box. Maybe it caught some by surprise. For you, could we have done better there from a defensive perspective? We could have done, but for me, Triori, rugby player. Got lucky. Every blind squirrel finds a nut some sometime. He hadn't scored before that, had he? His scoring he rate was atrocious. Is that a one-off then? Just typical Tottenham no, against us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Doctor Tottenham comes along. If you haven't scored for like 15, 20 games, Here then like you know, it's, it's going to be us. I'm not having Triari at all. Not having him at all. And I think he's difficult to play against because you don't play against any other player like him, not at a Premier level anyway. And I think that's why people struggle against him, because he's just such a unit. He's like, he's he's, he's never a footballer. He's like the, uh, no, no, a bumblebee. Science says, like, can't, <laughs> shouldn't be able to fly with their body shape. And the same with Triori. He, he shouldn't be able to play football. He's quick and, like, you know, he's, he's smashed one and, and he, he's, he's got lucky with it. Like, week in, week out... He ain't scoring like that, so I'm not for me. It, uh, Wolves are a good side, but him, no, I don't know. He's just like he's just just a lump, and he's just difficult to de defend defend against. And um, fl flash in the pan, I, I guarantee you, he don't get any more than another three or four goals this season. At most, at the very very most, another two or three, and that will be it. I, I'm I'm not having him at all. No, when you're our club come January, no crackers. No, not for me. No, 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 not, okay. not, not at all. So uh, I look forward to seeing him um, 
shaking hands with Mourinho come uh, come January and uh, everybody giving done. me loads of clog on Twitter going, oh, you hate him, he's a rugby player. And like, yeah, I'll just get it in the neck, but hey <laughs> Oh, brilliant. I mean, Talia, we did see Harry Kane, Eric Dyer, Toby Adderford all single-handedly during that game try and take him out. I mean, do you think that was probably a Mourinho tactic, leave a mark on him, hopefully it's enough to take him off the field, or do you think he's not that bad? I mean, we did really struggle up against his pace. What did you make of that strike out of interest? I mean, I think he's a monster. (laughs) You look at him and he's a monster. He is. I think, look, to be fair, Wolves were wicked for the majority of that game. And I think, you know, I don't watch too many Wolves games, but I think the consensus was that he doesn't score many goals, but he sets up a lot of goals. And you can see why he does that. So, you know, I think fair play to him for scoring a goal. I don't think it's about the scoring. I mean, to be fair, you know, his kind of role is obviously to be an absolute nuisance for the boys. And that's exactly what he did. And he forced all these fouls and whatnot because, yeah, exactly. No one knew how to handle him. And yeah, bless him. I mean, (laughs) he's running up against this absolute brick. He's not going to be able to run rings around him so no I think like to be fair we can't discredit him and disregard it because it was a great strike I do think it was but in terms of Spurs can't really see it but I kind of think he's a bit like Antonio like I know he'd never come to Spurs or anything like that but a lot of players look players people look at Antonio and a bit like he'd be wicked coming off the bench for Spurs and I kind of think he's a bit of a similar role in that that comes on like a bit of a unit runs forward and gets the ball into good positions I think that's probably what he's good at. But, I mean, credit to him. They made it difficult for us, especially him. So, what more can you say? Yeah, and I think you got to say, on that Wolves equaliser, they were relentless. You know, they were pushing us against... They deserved you know, it as well. They look, really played you know, well. I, I think, and, the game, and yep. I think you can't be like, oh, we deserved a clean sheet, because we absolutely didn't. No. Like, you'd like one, but I don't think we could come out of that and be like, oh, they really didn't deserve that, because they didn't. I think, and even Jose in his interview said, if I was... Nuno, like, I'd be furious as well because his boys did good and they did do good. And that's why they are in the Europa League and that's where they are in the table because they're a proper decent side. Yeah, I agree. And that's obviously, again, what we said earlier in the show. I mean, the stats for them to end an 11-match unbeaten run Spurs did. And Wolves, you know, Spurs becoming the first team to beat Wolves at home in 17 Premier League games since they were last defeated at Molyneux. It's a cracking cracking result there. It's a really good away win for a Spurs side. Let's be honest about it. Apart from West Ham, we've really struggled for away wins. Of course, we know our last one before that, before the West Ham one and this one, came against, obviously, uh, Fulham. With Winks's late goal, so you've got to give you. Spurs a lot of credit for that away win to, to grind out in the manner we did, and to help us do that was Paolo Gazzaniga, who Jose Mourinho after the game referred to as magic hands. Now, Ricks, a lot has been mentioned about Gazzaniga. Some are kind of clamouring him to be Spurs' number one to replace Hugo Lloris, and to be fair, he got down low to hold Traore's shot before the quarter of an hour mark and only in the second half he did well again to save him and as he strike and push it away from two oncoming Wolves attackers you would probably argue and say he could do nothing really about the goal to level it but he made a great save to deny Sace in that 83rd minute he more than played his part for us to get a result I suppose the question I want to ask you is you know can he be good enough to be Tottenham's number one long term for me I, well, I know it's a bit controversial, man, because I know a lot of people like him. But like for me, I, he's not he's not a number one, man. I, I, he's not he's not my number one. Do you know what I mean? Can um, he ever convince I, you to be anything otherwise, Rick? Is it may, or not? maybe? Maybe it's just, bro. Do you know what? To tell you the truth, like the times that I've seen him, like there, there are great kind of snapshots, snapshot saves and stuff like that. And he, and he has he's dug us out a couple of times. Um, 
but I still see him as shaky, you know, like uh, under Poch, he was, a, he was shaky. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, under Mourinho, there's been a few where, you know, the last couple at West Ham, I thought, you know, why didn't he close his hands? Do you know what I mean? Like his hands were open when he was diving, both hands. It, there's certain things that I look at I, and I'm not no goal, goalkeeping expert, but it's just a feeling that I get around him. Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, you're on it and we're going to have a good game and he's going to have a good game. And then sometimes I look and I'm just like, oh, I just don't know about this guy. Like, yeah. you know, for, for, for me, my, my number, if we're going to go a new number one, um, I, I would take a Nana from Ajax. Okay. But then again, I'd take I, I'd take four or five from my ex, me. I, I love that team. <laughs> four or five goalkeepers or players, Ricks? Players, mate. Yeah. Players, players, players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've got some really good players, I like to be fair to them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Crackers, just as Rick says there, on Gazaniga, you know, I feel there's still that jury out that you know, some feel he, he just isn't anything more than a number two. There are some that feel that he's given that opportunity and deserves to be one. Where do you stand on Paolo Gazaniga, Crackers? Very difficult with goalkeepers because being a number two normally means you're going to be bench warming. That's right, yeah. Lots and lots and lots. So it's very difficult to get a decent number two, especially when you've got a very decent number one. Um, so he's come in, um, done very, very, re- really well. I, I don't know. For me, you know, Hugo, great. Then the World Cup came. Um, then he had, you know, a series of personal issues, some mistakes. I don't know if Mourinho... You go, you know, and uh, I mean, he's he's talking Gazaniga up. He does, not I wouldn't yeah. be, yep. I wouldn't be upset if he if he remained if he remained as as number one. I mean, I know he got he got done on his near post in the man man new game, but all keepers, it's the problem with a keeper's life. And uh, you know, I'm the dad, dad of a dad of a decent keeper, young lad. When when you're a striker, Is he you make a mistake. Crackers? Is he available? You no. Know, <laughs> 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 we got our first signing already. Well, well, how old is he? Uh, he's 12. Oh, 12, right, okay. 12 going on 30. Oh, okay. Well, there you but, go. Um, never know. Daniel Levy might be listening. You never know, Crackers. <laughs> Promote him now, come, quick. Come and get fleet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's. Uh, I, I like I like Gazaniga. I, I, I do like him. Whether he's his number one, I, I don't know. But he's certainly done enough to, to keep it for, for the moment. See what happens when Larice comes back. For, but Larice, since the World Cup, been a different. He seems to be a different person and a different keeper. And as I said, when you when you make a mistake as a goalkeeper, boy, it's glaring. It's absolutely glaring. It normally leads to a goal. They look terrible. You make a mistake as a striker, you miss a goal. Yeah. And it, it doesn't look. You know, it's a lonely, lonely position being back there in goal when you make mistakes. So, um, but I like him. Yeah, he'll do for me for now. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, for me personally at the moment, I still feel with Gazaniga. I go into every game feeling there might be a ricket in him. And, you know, you feel where Tottenham want to go. They want to try and compete for that Premier League and really try and push them as a football club. I feel like we can't be going into games fearing that our goalkeeper could make a mistake. But then you're going to sit here and maybe say Hugo Lloris, really. We've got the same issues with him. I mean, Talia, it's one of those positions for us goalkeeper at the moment. You still don't feel Spurs have quite got a, a solid grip on it because, you know, Lloris, Gazaniga, they've both made mistakes in the past. But after the game, Mourinho made a point as what Rick said there. He's really, really been praising Gazaniga. He said, magic hands in reference to his performance. My father played here against Wolves in the UEFA Cup as a keeper. He always told me as a keeper of a top team that doesn't have 10 saves. You have one. And the magic hands have to be there. And Paolo did it for us. I mean, 
will he do it for you long term, Talia? Is the question, Paolo Gazaniga. Or would you would rather see Lloris recalled as soon as he comes back fit? Because the only thing he would say is that he had a nasty injury, Lloris, and there's no guarantee he's going to yeah. come back the same goalkeeper as what he, as what he was. No, it's true. I think there's pros and cons to both of them. You know, I think when you're playing out from the back, you, you trust Gaza more than you do um, Hugo because, I mean, that's always the nerviest thing to be. But there's also some goals, you know, and you watch the ball going ahead and you think, you know, Lloris would have saved that because he's better at that. So, you know, I think when you it's one-on-one comparison, it, it's quite difficult. And I think considering that Gaz has been a number two, and, I mean, he came on so abruptly as well. It's not like he kind of had the chance it was you know he are and then from then he's been in goal and I know we've had Vaughan and everyone else but he's been injured as well so it's literally been him him and only him and I think we've you know we've got to give him some credit because he has stepped up and he has made some cracking saves don't get me wrong he's you know he needed to close his legs or close his hands or whatever <laughs> else because he has let in some yep. stupid goals and we have all just thought what are you doing but I mean in that same way how many times before that we were like oh Larice is done because he did the same things. So it is so difficult and it's so easy to point the finger. But I do think one thing from Gaz that people kind of overlook is he gets so aggy on the pitch with the players because he properly cares. And I think, you know, we never really saw Hugo get, not as, like considering he was our captain as well, he was never as passionate to like shout at the defenders and kind of whip him into shape. But every game you sit and you watch Gaza and he screams, he's like, what are you doing? And I, I mean, I saw at half time he full on went over to Sanchez and gave him a proper mouthful. I have no idea what he said and gave him like a semi slap on the face, obviously in like a jokey way. But he's really kind of got that initiative where he wants to whip that defence into shape because I think he also doesn't get from them that security in that same way, which like we covered earlier would come with consistency. But I think, you know, long term, I don't actually think Larice will be our number one. I mean, Gaza could be, but... I think there are definitely keepers that could come in that we could buy that would probably overtake him. But he's decent, like the boys said, as a number two to come in as a number one. He stood his ground and I don't think we can, you know, fault him for that. No, I agree. Well, one man who stood his ground and made us all go crazy in that final minute was Jan Vertonghen. And it was Jan's late show that saw Spurs win the game at Molyneux. And it's time to talk about that moment because... I still, it was, a, it was a great moment. The celebrations afterwards were fantastic. Jan Vertonghen heading home bravely from an Ericsson corner. Yes, you heard that right. A Christian Ericsson corner. He did beat the first man <laughs> in the first minute of stoppage time. And, Ricks, I'm going to start with you because I think we're still trying to come to the terms. No offence to Christian Ericsson. He's beat the first man. I mean, we spoke about contract rebels and him on the pitch. I mean, to be fair, you've got to give Ericsson his credit. He did deliver a great ball in. Great header from Jan Vertonghen. And we all went berserk. I don't know about credit. I mean, I think it's about time, Rich, that he bloody well... <laughs> do you know what I mean? That he passed the first man on the corner. Do you know what I mean? Like, so we shouldn't give any credit um, at all, Rick. No, this is... I, listen, I, I switch you. I'm so upset with, like, Ericsson and, 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 the, and the boys that don't love us. I, I'm, I'm like a hurt girlfriend right now. If you don't love me, I don't love you. Yeah. All right? That's where I'm at right now, Rick. That's deep. So, I love it. I, I love that, it. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I'm like, after the summer, after you got, like, the main man punch, give, you know, you got in the sack as well, all of you. I'm like, I'm done mm. with him. I'm done with him. Right? That's how I am. Um, so, like, it's about time for me that he put in a cross and he'd he done something worthy of him being on the on the field because the, the last couple of times he's come on, I don't know what he's there for. I don't know what he's doing. 
um, like Bayern Munich, I mean, it like uh, my, my boy Expression said that it was like a 90 minutes of just him saying goodbye to the Tottenham fans because that's all he done in, in, in those 90s sort of thing. You know, um, I'm kind of I'm done with Ericsson. Thank you for putting in the cross. Thank you for doing your job and like earning your wage this week and doing something useful. Big up. Uh, good luck in January. See you later. Bye. There That's where I'm at. Rick's made his point clear. There's no love out of Christian Eriksen. A lot for Jan Vertonghen, of course. And, you know, Cracker's just interesting on that. You know, many say with Eriksen, you know, He's a player that's suffering low on confidence. He's not been playing well for Denmark either, as well as Tottenham. How much do you buy into that? Is it a case that he just no longer wants to be here? I mean, you would say that if the player was fully committed and wants to be at the football club, this is a player that's one of the best in Europe in terms of midfield. He would be starting a lot more regularly than he is right now. What do you think about that? Absolutely gutted with uh, Ericsson because he's the one uh, contract rebel that I would absolutely love to keep. Uh, and I'm happy at the club. He is. He oozes class. He's a class, class player. Who's, but his head's gone. He's he's elsewhere. He's you know. You could offer him a million pound a week now, and I think he just wants to go and a new challenge and challenge again to Spain. And it's a shame because all the other contract, uh, all the other rebel contract, I wouldn't be too unhappy to see go. They're all all replaceable. But Ericsson on his day, when he fancies it, when he wants it, he just like he just makes that team tick. But that's the problem. He just doesn't want it. He don't want to be there anymore. He's not happy. He wants to go elsewhere. And it, I'm, I'm gutted because he just, for me, he, he's a complete player. So what about Toby? Because I think he'd be an absolute huge loss if he went. I know you said like you wouldn't be bothered, but I think he is kind of one of the only rebels that genuinely puts a shift in week in, week out. Yeah, yeah, no, no, to- to- Toby as well. But uh, again, that's how highly I rate Ericsson. But out of all of them, I'd say Ericsson over Toby. If I had to lose really? one of them... Really? You, you, you honestly yeah, believe... Yeah, crackers, you reckon? Toby over Ericsson. Yeah, Ericsson I, I just... I think Ericsson's more replaceable than Toby. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, we probably argued on the last nine months of Ericsson's form, you, you probably would say that. I mean, the thing with Toby is that I want to make a point and say with Alderweireld that I feel with him, Crackers, that he has been professional right until the very end. No matter what happens when it comes to the summer, if he leaves, I don't think I can ever sit there and say that over a period that he never gave his best. With Ericsson, I feel, uh, yes, it's been form, but I feel also that his performances have also dropped, if you see where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, no, you are absolutely, absolutely right. Now, Toby, Toby has been model professional and has turned out every week and done, you know, as he's being paid to do. And Ericsson hasn't, and you know, but that's that really is a different issue to their abilities. And Ericsson, for me, a bit like. Um, when we had uh, what's his name, uh, the Bulgarian there up front, Berbatov. His name Berbatov. Berbatov again, <laughs> complete rebel. And uh, apologies, it's my age with names now. Now, now I'm the wrong side of fifty. Ber- Berbatov, fantastic, brilliant, unbelievable player. Stinks attitude, stunk. But like you God, know, he was classy, though, kind of crackers. My God, was classy. A bit. Oh. yeah, yeah. But now Toby. Fantastic attitude, fantastic player, but on what they can add to the team, Ericsson for me will be the biggest loss, and and it's such a crying shame that it's that it's ended like this. 
It's very interesting you say that. I mean, Rick's for you. I, w- I want to bring it back to the goal because it was such an important goal for Tottenham. But, you know, you mentioned there for Ericsson. I feel like for you, that relationship's been there and gone. He's never going to win you back. He's de- he's de- it, <laughs> you, you know what it is? You know what it is for me? Like, like I'm going to try and put it right. Like, real, real, real simple. Okay, when we, went to, when we went to the Champions League, Rick, yep. yeah? It was like the boys, like it was unbelievable, dream world stuff, yeah? And it's like they said, you know what? I love you. Let's get married, yeah? And it's like, all right, and cool. But but we got to wait for a little while because we just got to get over this summer and, and, then we can, and then we can do this. We can make this official, all right? And then it's like a week went on and then everyone starts looking in a different direction. Do you know what I mean? Those, mother, the, those guys that are already, all right, let's, let's make it official. Like they're all looking to the sky, looking to the ceiling, they're looking at the corner post. Like everyone, you know, and I feel like the chick that's like, yo, are, are we gonna do this? And then you just turn your back on me the whole way through preseason, the whole way b- the beginning of the thing. In fact, you got my father in law sacked as well. You kicked him off. Then, you know what I mean? Do you think they're on that point, then, Rick? Should, should Spurs have really pushed for his sow in the summer then, maybe? I think, mate, this has been the problem for the last couple of seasons that we've, we've got ourselves trapped in. Like the, the thing is that you're right about Toby, getting back to seriousness, you're right about Toby as in he's been professional. And I've loved the fact that he's been professional about it. Yeah. But you've seen that that, that last season, getting up to the Champions League final was the last bit of goodwill that we had with these players that don't want to be at Tottenham. And I, we can't have any players that don't want to be at Tottenham. So if your heart's not with us, Ericsson, yeah, Ericsson's heart is not with us. We know that. Even on a Danny Rose flex, I know people love off Danny Rose. I've got love for him. I had love for him. I'll keep going back and forth with him. But he's lost love for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Of so, it, so there's a couple that don't want to be there. That When they turn up to work, that they're like, oh, we don't need none of that, bro. We need people that are, ex- that are excited to be there, that are ready to, to, to hit the ground running, that are, that are together and focused on the mission. Because that, that's what we need, you know? So those that don't want to be with us, I don't, I don't really care about your ability anymore. You, you, you have to go. And now we've put ourselves in a position where we're going to have to pay stupid money to try and replace these players now. Do you know what I mean? Because we didn't sign that one for two, three seasons. Because we didn't go all in this summer with Poch. We knew what we needed. We knew what we needed. We all know what we needed. We was on it. We was on on this podcast talking about what we needed. Um, you know, and we, we, we got a bit of that. We, we got a little touch of that. And when it comes down to Ndombele as well, just a quick thing on him. He's come from the French league where like the training is like very kind of laid back. He's come in, he's done double sessions with Poch and I don't know how many sessions with Mourinho. So obviously the, 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 the kind of uh, uh, the, the, the step up in level of training and the pacing games where he doesn't get to rest. He is, he is, that's why he is fatiguing a lot earlier than anybody else. And that's why his muscles are feeling it. It's going to take, he was always going to take, take Endombele at least six months to a season to get used to what the pace is and how our training is and what we want from him as well. Yep. Sorry, I sandwiched, I sandwiched a no, couple in there, I mean, Rick. Listen, we're talking about six months. We're, we're nearly towards it, Rick. I mean, December, January, February. Let, let's see. Let's hope second half of the season is going to yeah. be the player that we all hope he is. So I think, again, we'll have to say, in glimpses, you can tell the guy has got a bundle of ability. There's no doubt about that. His quality is there for all to see, but we have to try and keep him fit. Maybe have to change his regime or what the schedule yeah. is on. We have to try and do something. But, you know, just back on Ericsson, it was a change that not many wanted, but it made a difference with his corner. Headed on by yeah. Vertonghen, as we said. And, Ricks, I mean, Vertonghen. Now, this is a player, again, contract is running down. You feel that with Mourinho's appointment, the same as Alderweireld now, does that change in these players' minds? You're looking at a, a winner 
a man, as we've said before with Mourinho, he's been there, done it, got over the line. He, he knows how to grind out results. You know, this game is typical of exactly the character that his teams show. To go and do this in the last seconds of a difficult place to go. Yeah. And, you know, Vertonghen, he loved that at the end. You could just see the celebrations were fantastic. It's, it's a big goal in Tottenham season, you feel. It's a massive goal, and I think it's it's massive for for him and his relationship with Jose. Like you yeah. say, um, like they've obviously worked on that, and they've obviously had a word. We we've seen it in the pictures that he's like, yeah, go on, go up, you know. So um, he trusts Yan to do a job with Yan and the whole contract rebel Palava. I think it's the other way round. I think he wants to stay for two, three seasons, and we want to give him a season, you know. And I think that's where the kind of the, 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 the mishmashes with, with Jan. So I think it's a little bit different. I think that he wants to be around. He wants to stay. Uh, we can see he's losing pace as he's getting older, but he, he, I think he probably wants to be like, you know, a coach for Tottenham and he'll probably come back and manage at one point. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you know, so I think Yanni wants to stay. And now that he's being trusted by Mourinho and given again, a bit of responsibility, get up there, son, get us, get, get on that ball, get us a winner or get us something. And then it's come off. Do you know what I mean? That's what you call scenes, bro. Yeah, um, Tottenham, crazy, Tottenham were, were living in those scenes, man. We, we all were. We was all living in the scenes. Super Yan. Super Yan, as we say. I mean, and Talia, again, that was a great header from Vertonghen. It's beautifully placed. And, you know, you've got to give him credit for that, making that late run the way he did. You know, great, great finish. And as Rick said, unbelievable scenes. Yeah, I mean, I love Jan and I think, you know, there's some players that you just really want to score and collectively as like a fan base, I think everyone loves Jan and wants him to score. So, I mean, like any winner would have been like elation, but I think for Jan to do it and for him to do the Superman, it was like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> like he kind of gave it that extra edge, didn't it? You saw him running along, like doing the whole open your shirt thing and it's just like, yes. That is what we want. Nah, it's huge. It was such a huge goal and I'm so happy for him. And I really think that, you know, he does want to be there. And I hope that he kind of proves to Jose and whoever else, Levy, that, you know, he does have more left in him and he wants to be there. And they kind of give him that opportunity. Yeah, I agree. Well, listen, we're going to do some quick fire questions before we discuss Tottenham Hotspur's Champions League last 16 draw against RB Leipzig. Um, Crackers, I'm going to start the questions off with you. This question is from Brian H. at Worcesterheim, who says, do you believe in the sustainability in the long-term project of Jose Mourinho at Tottenham? Easy one for your Crackers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) Um, Personally, no. He's he's not been anywhere of uh, Jose Mourinho half since or Porto and Chelsea. Everywhere else, it's it's not been it's not been a long term thing. He's for me, he's not Mister Right. I believe in having a bit more of a long term um, view of things and giving managers time. But given what had happened with. Marine uh, with Pochettino, as I say, he's not Mr. Right, but he's definitely Mr. Right now. So if you're, you know, getting rid of a manager and you need to bring somebody in, then, you know, well, that, that's 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 some replacement. Isn't it? Um, I agree. That, if this man crackers, I don't want to bring you up on that point you just said there. This man has won everything in the game. If he can't yes. command the respect of that dressing room... And can't galvanise this group of players. So I think that's a lot of it about you look at like to Deli Ali, Hummin Son, Harry Kane. They all want to win trophies. So Tottenham thought, do you know what? We'll go and get in a man that has won everything. 
and he will command the respect of that dressing room. You do feel crackers. If this man can't do it, <laughs> where do we turn to? Oh, exactly. Do you know what? I think um, the great Paul Hawksby got it just right with him uh, the day after he was appointed on his on his show. And he said, I think that he would take a team over in Spurs, like sort of 12th, 14th at the time, probably put a couple of pots on the table over two or three years and then leave Spurs back in sort of 12th or 14th and just that. leave them. It will start off a revolution for Tottenham where the next man that comes in has got that winning mentality. They've won trophies and it's there to kind of push Tottenham on. Do you not feel that's the reason for the appointment? Uh, I, I hope so. I hope that there's some, he comes in, he's settled, he enjoys life there. I know that he enjoys London life. So, uh, you know, there, there's a star over sort of Manchester. He never really settled there. Did he living in a, hotel albeit probably like five grand a night and i'm sure you know i don't know how you don't live in a hotel like that per night but there you go it's you know you it wasn't wages, a family Marcus. home was it <laughs> you do them wages <laughs> um exactly yeah so um i don't know i'm i'm hoping always hoping that you know this this is the, the round round hole and the round peg and he's fine somewhere that he loves and he's settled and but I don't know. When you look at what happened at Madrid, and you look at what happened at Man United, and he becomes divisive. But he's and a changed man, crackers. He's so good. humble now. He's so, he's so relaxed. Uh, really? Are really? you waiting for the mask to uh, come off? Uh, Are you waiting for the mask to come off? Yeah, yeah, I, I am. I hope it. Do you know what? I hope it. I hope he is changed. Oh, of course. And I will. hope he does settle. I just really hope he does because you know if we have him now five six seven years or something then wow then yeah. like you know i don't think we can we, we won't not win trophies it's but i don't know i i just don't know if i was chairman of spurs i'd be happy he was there steadying the ship after what sort of happened with pochettino but i would certainly be thumbing through the cvs of some other people <laughs> once a month maybe as as a just it just in case with him so okay. um uh, yeah let, let, let's see let's okay. see i can tell crack he's got some work to do on you just yet right um mm. cut the really quick questions before we go ahead and look at that champions league last 16 draw i want to ask this one to you talia caroline stefko says what adjustments should Mourinho make for the chelsea match and who do you think was the most improved player in the wolves match quick fire because we want to quickly try and preview that champions league last 16 draw Improvements defensively, we need to sharpen up a bit. Don't let stupid mistakes happen. Uh, most improved player, probably Lucas, I guess, because I mean he had a great game, great goal, and the game before that it was a bit dropped off. So quick and easy. There you go, fantastic. Ricks, how excited are you now for that Chelsea game? The way Spurs have clawed back that massive gap, and Jody Morris saying Chelsea weren't worried with Mourinho. Well, they might be. Or I think he accused Mourinho of saying that he wasn't worried. You'd probably argue now the way Spurs have clawed that gap back. There's a massive opportunity now to really go ahead of Chelsea if we can win that game. Massive game against them. It's going to be a massive game. It's going to be an absolute massive game. And that's one thing that I do like about Mourinho is that there is that fight in him. He does have fighting talk. Like at the end of his press conference, he's like, you know who we got next week. He didn't even say Chelsea. He was that's just like... That's a great thing, isn't yeah. it? That's brilliant. That I, was great. And, I'll, and and that fired me up. I was like, oh, it's a battle right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
you know what? For him to do what he's done, he, he has had a great... He, he has. He's galvanised the boys and he's given us something to, you know, some type of platform to, to jump off and to be in contention of this top four again. Now, to have a second round of, of like, you know, a, a battle against Chelsea right now to kind of get into that top four, Jose versus Lampard, you know, Master versus, like, student, all of that, you know, it's, it's going to be full of fire. The fans are going to be up for it. They're going to be roaring. That South Sound is going to be rocking. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's put us in contention to have a right old go and a right old scrap and to kind of show everybody that Tottenham is still around and that we can still do what we do. Agree. Agree. We've got that big game to come. We've also got a big game also to come in the Champions League because Tottenham, as we mentioned earlier in the show, have been drawn against RB Leipzig. It's not going to be an easy game because RB Leipzig at the moment are top of the Bundesliga and Spurs, who lost twice to Bayern, when you put that into consideration, are fifth. And it's a decent and very exciting draw for Spurs. But you can't get away from it. This is not going to be an easy game. And Crackers, just to get your thoughts on that draw, because you maybe argue that on on the basis of the teams that we could have faced, Leipzig may have been the favourable opponent. But it's still not going to be, by all means, an easy game, is it? They've also got a top striker, we have to say there. They are flying, make no mistake. They are a decent, decent team. Um that look, they look head and shoulders above anybody in the Bundesliga this year, and uh, and the manager as well, Nagelsmann. Wow, thirty-two years old, uh, come from Hoffenheim, twenty-five when he was assistant manager there. Now manager at thirty-two. I've got shoes older than the man, you know, and uh, he's he's top of the Bundesliga. He's uh, <laughs> Uh, great. You know, that's who I'd have liked to have seen coming after Pochettino and and try and and bring us on again a, another long term project. They in Germany they call him Mini Mourinho, so it is so it's the battle of the Mourinho's. It's master and servant. That's no easy game. That really is on paper. It, you think to yourself, oh yeah, you know Leipzig. Don't really know too much about um, team team name that's four hundred points at Scrabble. Um, sounds more like a UEFA Thursday night team, but don't be fooled by that. They are a decent outfit. That's a tough, tough drawer. And if we get past them, then we're doing very well, very, very well. It's going to be two cracking games, very evenly balanced. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. Yeah, well, we're going to face RB Leipzig on the Wednesday, the 19th of February at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The away leg we played on the 10th of March. So that's the dates of the game. And Ricks, as Crack has mentioned there, it's not going to be an easy tie. You know, although you would say it's again, who could have come out? As I mentioned, it may be more the favourable one. But Leipzig, as I mentioned, currently top of the Bundesliga, having scored more goals than any other team in the German top flight, with Timo Werner leading the line with 16 goals. It's, it is not going to be an easy tie this one is it for Spurs to negotiate no it's not going to be an easy tie whatsoever um, they, they have been on a progression RB Leipzig for, for a while the last season on season they've, they've grown and they've built and, and they've built on uh, on their youth and their, and their successes and I, it's going to be a really tough game because they're hungry they're hungry for this success they're hungry to go through to uh, the next round and the, the knockouts and stuff and, and they're hungry to kind of prove to everybody else in the Champions League, that they're worthy of their spot and they're, they're ones to be looked at. I think probably Ajax has um, inspired them to kind of live their Champions League dream, as, as well as maybe a bit of us, where we, we kind of battled through last year. So it's given given them some inspiration, but 
it, this is Jose Marino. This is like Champions League and Jose go together. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like... This is his competition, Rich, isn't it? This is his competition. Yeah, this is his competition, my friend. So, like, don't think that he won't have a plan for RB. And don't think that if he if he needs to send on Dyer to go and clamp some guys, <laughs> then we're going to go clamp some guys. Do you know what I mean? I so don't know part right two, now. Rick. Mark two. Part two. Mark oh, two. Part God. two. We're going we're gonna to have it and we're going to get through, mate. Don't you worry, but it's going to be a big, big battle. Oh, I agree with you. I mean, Talios could potentially have the weekend before the first leg with RB Leipzig off in the Premier League because of a winter break split that works in their favour. Second leg on March the 10th. But what was interesting was after the draw, the boss Julian Nagelsmann did say that he's relishing the prospect of facing Tottenham in the Champions League. He says Spurs is a very nice and exciting tie. They're one of the Europe's top teams playing a fantastic city with star players with a lot of experience. It won't be easy, but we're really looking forward to it, especially playing in that stadium. He says Spurs have a world-class manager in Jose Mourinho. The game will be exciting and we need to put in two top performances. We're more than capable of that. What a tie. We can't wait. And that's the interesting thing, is it, Talia? They're going to relish this tie because they are underdogs. Could that also maybe count in Spurs' favour, them being the underdogs here? No one's really expecting them to maybe get a result over the two legs when you've got Mourinho, who, as we know, Champions League is his competition, and Spurs last yeah. season got to the final. But this is not going to be an easy game, is it? Goes two ways, though, in that sense, though, because I think, you know, half of that is adrenaline. It's like, yes, we can do it. We haven't been here before. Let's go. But then on the other hand, it's also, remember that comment that Chiellini said about us a couple of seasons ago that, you know, they don't have the experience. This is their debut, I think they said, or something like that. So, I mean, Mourinho, the tactician, surely that our experience will now prevail or you'd hope that that will at least play a part in that game because obviously they haven't been there before. We were in the final last year and you'd think that that would at least play into it. By the end of the day, anyone's a threat. It's the Champions League. You know, I was watching it live and it was either what Juve, Barca or Leipzig. <laughs> so who are you taking? is Leipzig and I mean that's no discredit to them as as you said they're flying they're scoring goals for fun I think it'll be an absolutely wicked tie either way and you know we've got to do our best at home to set up the result and hopefully we can get an away performance as well so no it'll be great but hopefully with Mourinho and our experience we will be the difference. Agree. We've got some really exciting games to come, haven't we, in these next couple of months for Spurs. And, you know, now yeah. where we are, so much to play for. We've got FA Cup coming, Champions League, top four race. It's going to be an exciting end to the season. But what a show it's been. Crackers, thank you so much for coming back. Any the plug, Crackers? I can thoroughly recommend living in the Canary Islands, where <laughs> I am now. So, uh, yeah, so if you, if you want to come and do that, but don't come to Lanzarote because I don't want too many people here. It's nice and quiet. So go Tenerife. I can thoroughly recommend it. It's it's a, it's a great life. Other than that, um, the Legends Knights, keep an eye on at Mr. Cracknell because I'm always promoting those. So I've got Knights with Hoddle and Waddle and Perryman coming up. Uh, yeah, so just keep an eye on the old uh, socials. And there's always one near you around the country and Wales and Gloucester and Chessington and uh, the Midlands. So, You're branching yeah, out because yeah, yeah, we're covering all locations here. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So I'm sort of flying backwards and forwards between home in Lanzarote and uh, the UK doing those nights. So, uh, yeah, life's all good. Life's good. Fantastic. Ricks, anything you want to plug? Anything to come up? Well, it's not coming up yet, mate. But I mean, currently, I'm currently filming uh, for Netflix, doing a Christmas movie at the moment uh, with Vanessa Hudgens. So I'm thoroughly enjoying that. But that, you'll have to wait until next Christmas to see oh, that it, one, my it's friend. A, it's a year wait. 
worth the wait. Yeah, mate, it's going to be worth the wait. So, um, yeah, but like, uh, if you guys want to watch the first movie, it's called The Princess Switch, and that's on Netflix right now. So, if you want to watch the first movie over Christmas, do that, and you'll be ready for the sequel with me in it next year. I love it. Just gear us up, Rick, for the next year. Rick, it's been a pleasure having you back on. Thank you ever so much. Thank you for having me, mate. You've, been a, you you've been a star. And Talia, thank you for coming back on. Anything to plug from you? And we've got to get you back on, Talia, haven't we? We've got to make it happen again. I know. I mean, I'm just a scientist, so I don't really have much to plug. <laughs> <laughs> a bit different from the rest of this lot. <laughs> World's still going at the moment, Talia. Nothing's happening in the world. We, we, we're, still, we're still surviving, yeah? We're alive and kicking. And, I mean, what more could we ask for? There you about. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Talia, thank you so much for coming back on. Always a pleasure. I'm looking forward to having Crackers back on with us soon. Guys, what a week it's been for Tottenham. We've got so much to come, as we said. FA Cup, Champions League, Premier League. Enjoy the ride. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Do it. Podcast Network.